and turn to Exodus chapter 6. We're going to start Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Um, that's where we're going to be reading from. That's our, our core foundational um, passage for this whole sermon series. And um, so I'm going to read through it kind of quickly today, and then I'll, I'll dive into it more next week. But um, uh, this, this, the context of this passage, which you really need to understand, is, is uh, God is speaking to Moses. That's what this passage is. It's God's dialogue to Moses. And Moses is a man that God was raising up to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. So um, the Israelites are not Egyptians. They, they weren't originally Egyptians. But uh, a few thousand years ago, they, were, they moved to Egypt uh, to live there. And then they were, over time, enslaved by the Egyptians for about 500 years. And they were forced into labor. And uh, God finally said, I'm going to rescue my people. I'm going to take them out of Egypt. And so this passage that we're going to read is God speaking to Moses about his plan um, for the Jewish people. But what's, what's interesting is it's not just for the Jewish people. In fact, these, these promises that are contained in, this, in these passages are seen throughout Scripture. And when Jesus came on the earth, he reiterated these promises. And um, we're calling the sermon series Four Cups because these four promises or as the, as the Jews call, call them, the four I wills, these, these four I wills are a part of a prominent feast in the Jewish culture called Passover. Uh, it's coming up, actually, it's, it's coming up this Friday, um, the Passover feast, the Passover meal. And a part of this Passover feast or meal, it's a very ceremonious meal, um, they have four cups of wine on the table. And these four cups, you can't just rush in and, and drink as much as you want. Uh, it's a part of the ceremony. It's very important that you drink these cups in a certain order and that you, that, that you read a certain passage with each cup. So before you drink of the first cup, you read the first I will found in this passage. So this passage is something that, that, that Jews are still reading every year today. And, of course, Jesus was Jewish, and so Jesus participated in this. And he uh, had what, what we call the Last Supper with his disciples um, the night before he was about to be crucified. And so that's coming up this week. So it's this, this whole story of Passover and these cups, I think, are very relevant to us right here and right now. And it's kind of exciting. We're actually joining with several other churches um, in our organization, the ARC organization. It's a church planting organization. There's several other churches that are doing this exact same sermon series at the exact same time. So it's really kind of cool. Uh, throughout the nation, a lot of us, a friend of mine down in San Antonio is doing it. Uh, and so it's a lot of us in different places and pockets of, of the country um, are preaching about these four cups at the exact same time. So it's really, it's really kind of cool. We're joining with them, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what God's going to do. But let's read the passage, and we're going to quickly just look at these promises um, that God gives, or the Jews call the four I wills, where God says, I will do something. Um, so uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 starts off. He says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And first of all, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's the first I will. That's the first cup. That's the first promise. The first promise is I will bring you out from under the yoke. The yoke is a, it, it's a heavy thing that signifies bondage. And so this, this promise was true for the people of Israel, but it's also true for us today. This is the first thing that God wants to do in your life. He wants to bring you out of heavy bondage or heavy slavery. Um, we believe that, that the, the Bible says actually that the whole world lies under the bondage or the, the influence of the evil one, of Satan. Uh, the, the devil is blinding people's eyes and blinding their minds and keeping them in slavery. 
so that they can't really um, make decisions on their own. They, there's this outside influence that's pushing them and driving them. And, 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 and the power of the gospel is that, that God has come to bring you out. Yeah. God has come to relocate you from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. That God has that for each and every one of us. And if, if you're, you're here in this room, if you have not experienced that, we, 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 want, we want to lead you into that. Because it's something that God says. He says, I will do it. So it's not something that you have to fix your life so that you can get out of Egypt. It's not something that you make uh, all of these all these changes and that's how you get out. No, this is something that God does. You put your faith in Jesus, you put your, your trust in Jesus, and you repent of your sins. And the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. Well, come on, somebody. Yeah. Already starting to preach. Just two minutes in. This is yeah. great. I will... Somebody... Dance. Uh, yeah, now it's okay. I'll spare you of that. I will bring you out of that uh, that, that, that bondage. Uh, the second I will, God says, I will free you from being slaves to them. I will free you from being slaves. It sounds kind of similar to the first promise. I'll take you out. But actually it's not because when he takes you out, it's a change of geography. It's a change of location. But he says, I will free you from being. That's the key word, being slaves. So, so sometimes God removes us and he saves us. Um, but we still think like slaves. We still have a slave mentality on the inside. And so we call this one the cup of deliverance. This is, this is the cup of deliverance where God has promised to, to not only take us out of Egypt, but to take Egypt out of us. And this one's a process. This one takes some time. And honestly, I feel like most of Christians in, 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 in the U.S. today are kind of stuck on this one. Because we realize it's a process, and so we think it's a lifelong process. Mm. But it's really not. There's a moment in time where God can enable you to turn, to, to close the door on yesterday. So that your past doesn't always have to affect your future. That you can deal with it, and God can deal with it, and he can give you a new heart and a new mind. Because if you get stuck here, you never get to go on to the third cup, which is, I will redeem you. Mm-hmm. with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Redeem means to put back or to buy back to an original purpose. So there's a reason why God made you. And if you spend all of your life trying to just, just simply deal with your problems and your issues and trying to deal with deliverance, you never get to the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. And we believe that God wants you to drink of redemption as well, where you find out your original purpose, yes. the reason why you were created. Come you on. were made on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. And God, yeah. like God looked down at the world and there was no you in it. So he made you mm-hmm. so that you would be in it. So the world needs you. There's a, there's, 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 a, there's a gap, there's a blank spot in the world, in your neighborhood, on your job, that you were meant to fill. And if you never get to this place, if you never drink of this cup, you don't realize that. And, 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 and honestly, much of um, the American Christian world is right here. They, they have not drunk of this cup. Uh, I think it's 76%, according to a Barna research, 76% of American Christians sitting in churches don't know their purpose. Mm. They don't know what, or to, to, to use another biblical phrase, they don't know they're part of the body. Because mm. we're all part of the body. Yeah. Can you imagine like if... 76% of your body didn't know what its function was, you'd be dead. You would not function well. And so we believe that as people drink of this cup, that's where the body of Christ really steps into action 
and, and starts being able to do some great things. And he says, I'll, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm, which means that he, he's stooping down. He finds us down where we are and he pulls us up out of that place and mighty acts of judgment. And finally, I will take you as my own people. So this is the first time he uses the word people. Uh, it's, it's a plural word. He's been saying, I will uh, uh, save you, I will deliver you, I will redeem you. Now he says people, because God's plan all along has never been an individual plan. It's a corporate plan. He desires for you and I to be a part of a body, a part of a family, a part of a group that's making a difference. And so that's what we call the cup of fulfillment. Um, the Jews call that the cup of praise, because what, what happens is your entire life becomes a praise to God. When, when, you're, when you're living in this cup. Yes. And so our, our hope and our prayer is that throughout the next five weeks, that wherever you're at, that you take the next step. That where, where, wherever you're at, that, that you, you find the faith to believe that God can help you take the next step. Amen, everybody? Amen. Sound good? Am I, am, I, am I too loud out there? No. I feel, feel loud. Okay. Okay, well, I don't want to, like, 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 blow you out or, or anything, but... Um, and, but, 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 but today we're going to focus on the actual supper, the actual meal, the Passover meal, and how Jesus, um, about 2,000 years ago, fulfilled that Passover meal uh, uh, the night before he died. And so we're going to read a couple passages. First of all, from Exodus 12. We're going to look at Exodus 12, verses 3 through 9. And this is God's commandment to his people regarding this meal. Um, Actually, let's read the Luke passage first. We'll, we'll look at Luke first, Luke twenty-two seven through eight, and and this is this is uh, what's coming up here in just a few days, known as what, what what Christians call Monday Thursday. So the night before Jesus was crucified on Friday, we're coming up to this season in Holy Week. Uh, this is this is what Luke records. It says now the festival of unleavened bread had arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat it together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. I've always thought that was odd. Like, why is Jesus so eager to eat this meal? It seems like if, if I was going to have a last meal, a last supper before crucifixion, I would not be eager to eat that meal. You know, I'd be like, hey, why don't we put it off till tomorrow? <laughs> I'm not hungry. Are you hungry? <laughs> Good. Big breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a big breakfast. <laughs> but it says, it, says, it says, guys, I've been very eager to eat this with you. Before my suffering begins. So he knows. He knows this is just before. For I tell you now, and this is the reason. He says, because this, this is why I'm so excited about this. For I tell you now. That I will not eat this meal again until, look at this, its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm really looking forward to eating this with you because this is the last time that it's going to be eaten like this. It's not that it's never going to be eaten again. Uh, in fact, the Christians still have this meal and we call it, uh, we, we, we call it communion. Uh, and so he says, this isn't, it's not that it's never going to be eaten again, but every time you do it, you're going to do it in remembrance of me. And it's different. Before, you're doing it in remembrance of a lamb in the Old Testament. We're going to read that story in just a minute. But now, he says, the meaning is going to be fulfilled. In other words, this whole meal was about me, and I am tomorrow, I'm going to be crucified 
because I am the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians talks about that, says that Christ is our Passover lamb. And so Jesus is excited because he says, this is, this is the fulfillment. We're going to fulfill this meal tomorrow uh, when, when I go to the cross. Now, now, just to understand this meal, we have to look at Exodus chapter 12. And this is where God is speaking to Moses. And he says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of the month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. It's one lamb per household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your, now look at that, according to each man's need. I think that's interesting. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be, first of all, without blemish. That means without any defects. means without any scars or, or, or uh, injuries. Secondly, a male... Of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. It's actually a nice word. Kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts uh, and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night in roasted fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with, with water, but roasted in fire. I kind of like this part. Its head with its legs and its entrails. Yummy. <laughs> Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I, I thank you that it's been given for our instruction. Lord, instruct us today. I pray that you would instruct us through your word. Help us to see Jesus uh, here. Help us to see Jesus in this, in this interesting meal. God, may we see the one who paid our debt. May we see the one who, who we look to to raise our, our spiritual lives from the dead, but also our bodies after we die. We, we, we look to Jesus, uh, who has power over sin and death. Lord, help us to see him in all of his glory and all of his beauty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, there's a, uh, a, there's a, a particular story that... Um, that my wife likes to tell about me. I thought it would be appropriate for me to actually tell it about me um, today. Because it'll be lies. Um, no, it'll just have a, a little better perspective. Um, because I was actually there. So um, there, was a time, <laughs> there was a time when I was traveling for a living. I was a personal assistant to a, to, to, to a preacher. And we were down in McGowan, Texas. It's not spelt that way. It's pronounced that way. McGallan, Texas is down by Brownsville. It's basically Mexico. I mean, uh, the church that we went to uh, was an all Spanish speaking church, and um, Tommy was the guy I was traveling with. He had to have an interpreter, uh, and so it was very much, very totally Mexican. And so they were like, hey, we're going to feed you all afterward. And that's what I love about going to Mexican churches because you always eat really good afterwards and uh, i said oh you know we're gonna go out to eat no 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 we're gonna cook it and and i and they did like they transformed it was like in a school gym and like after he preached like they got rid of all the chairs and brought tables in and, and when they had it all set up i said well what are we having and i said well we're having cabrito ribs i can't roll my r's so i know it's not cabrito ribs it's cabrito ribs which basically is goat ribs okay that's, that's I said, what's that it's goat okay goat ribs i never had goat ribs before but hey it sounded good because i kind of have a policy I'm, I'm sort of a picky eater 
I'm very much a picky eater. Um, I I love pizza without a whole bunch of you know stuff on it. Um, I I I, I kind of stopped my 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 palate stopped at age 14, and that's just where that's just where I've been ever since. So I'm really not into vegetables, and I know I should be. I've got a nutritionist around here who will tell me that. And yes, do as I say, not as I do. Um, I am not really into vegetables, but there is one food group that really I'm pretty indiscriminately okay with, and that is meat. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, I got some amens here. Yeah. Like, if it had a heartbeat, I'll eat it. Like, I'll, I'll no problem. I would try that. You know, um, I just, I, I just like meat. I like all sorts of meat. Um, so anytime I get a chance to try sort of exotic meat, I'm always all about it. Like, you know, shark and squid. Probably the only meat I really don't like is escargot, um, which is really just snail. I mean, come on. It's a fancy word for snail. Uh, it tastes like dirt because that's what they've been, like, you know, absorbing their entire life. Like, that's kind of grainy and dirt-ish. And so I just couldn't really get through that. But every other kind of meat I am all about. And so I sit down and... Um, this is this is when Roe and I were dating. So Roe was uh, uh, at our at our base there in Louisiana, and um, we were actually going back to our base that evening. And so we were we were there. We're eating, and I'm I'm sitting down with um, just a bunch of girls sat around at my table, um, and uh, it's it's a part of the story, so it's important. Okay, I didn't sit with they sat with me. I it wasn't it wasn't me. All right, just just FYI, I just, just that's not how I roll. And so I'm sitting there, and uh, they bring out the ribs. The ribs were good. They were, they were seasoned really well. Man, you know, like goat rib, good stuff. Well, then I guess the guest of honor gets the head of the goat. I didn't know this. So Tommy, who is the guest of honor, he deferred his honor to me. <laughs> this is what assistants do. They, they, they say, oh, yes, sir. So I get this plate with this goat head on it, and seriously, like, it was skinned, but that was it. Like, like its teeth were still there. And it was sitting there, like, smiling at me on the plate, you know, and, like, steam's, like, like coming out between its teeth. Like, it, it had just been, like, boiled. It hadn't been seasoned or anything like that. It's just this head on the plate. I'm like, what do I do with this? And so I had a fork, you know, and, and uh, so I just opened up the mouth. I knew the tongue was edible, so I opened up the mouth and you stabbed the tongue, pulled that out, and, and, and just started eating it, you know. And they were, and, and all the girls at the table were kind of impressed, you know, this gringo is just going at it. And, and, um, and, and so I thought that was, that was about all I could get to, was all that was really edible. So then they took, they, they took the head, and then they brought it back out because they had split it open for me to eat the brains on the inside. And um, once again, see, like, this is something about guys. If girls, like, think you can't do it, that just means that you can do it. That just means that I have to prove you wrong. And so uh, it's, it's different. The brains of, of a goat are different, obviously, than the brains of a human. Like, they're very small, and they're kind of like in these little bone canals. So you kind of got to fish, fish it out. And so, and it really wasn't bad. It tasted like chicken. Like, people say that, but it's true. It tasted like chicken. And so I'm eating that, and then I come to the back of the eyeballs. And so I pull out an eyeball, and by this time I just had to, you know, I mean, everybody was impressed. So I just had to go for it. And so I popped that sucker in, and, and um, that was kind of odd. That was, that was weird. It, 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 was, it was this thing that popped, and it was gross. And so I won't go into it. But, um, but the pastor ate the other one. Like the pastor of the church said, I'll, I'll eat the other one. So we, 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 we partook of, 
of communion that night. And um, it was uh, it was all very interesting. And so I, I thought of that story as I was reading this story because God said, look, you have to eat the head and the entrails. Like you got to eat like everything from this lamb. Like the entire lamb has to be consumed, has to be eaten. And I thought... I kind of know what that tastes like. That's, that's, that's cool. But, um, but this is really, this is a picture of Jesus. Because all the promises that I read at the very beginning, all, that, all, all of that, all of that was predicated on this night. Like if they, don't, if they don't get through this night, they don't get to all the promises. Because what was happening when, when God told them to, to prepare this meal and put blood on the door? Like why would you put blood on the door? Well, the reason why they were putting blood on the door is because God was sending a death angel into Egypt. And the death angel was going to kill the firstborn of every single house unless he saw blood on the door. And if he saw blood on the door, then there had already been a death there. And so the death angel just went on to the next house. And so what God is doing is he's trying to save his people from death. And this is a picture not only uh, for them, literal salvation for them, but this is a picture for us of what Christ has done and what Christ wants to do for us. He wants to save us from death, not necessarily physical death, but spiritual death. He wants to save us from the result of sin and, and from sin itself. But, 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 there's the, but you have to understand that Jesus, that this lamb, this lamb is symbolic of Jesus Christ. That you can't get any of the promises of God without Jesus. You, 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 you cannot find fulfillment that you're looking for without Jesus. Uh, Jesus makes this, this claim pretty exclusive. He said, look, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So you cannot get out of Egypt on your own. You cannot get delivered on your own. You can't get redeemed on your own. You cannot find fulfillment on your own apart from Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus because Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the one whose blood is able to save us from death. Jesus is the one whose blood is powerful enough to, to stop the curse that was upon Egypt and also to stop the curse that's upon us living right here today. I mean, his blood speaks for us. His blood testifies and says, look, there's already been a death here. You can pass on, pass over this house. That's why it's called the Passover meal, because the, the death angel passed over the house. And this is exactly what God wants to do for us through Jesus Christ. And, but, it, but, it, but it must come through Jesus. And there's some things about the Lamb that I just want to talk about for just a moment. The Lamb of God is, first of all, spotless. Just like, just like this Lamb had to be spotless without blemish. The Lamb of God is spotless. And what that means is that when Jesus lived on this earth, that He, he never sinned even once. He, never, he, never, uh, he was never bitter. He was never envious. He, 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 he never had a sinful thought, even. And this is, this is something that is kind of easy for us to accept, because after all, Jesus was God. And so we think about Jesus in a different level, in a different playing field than us. But I think what's also interesting is that word blemish can also mean physical alteration. And uh, later, on, later on in the Bible, God says, God says when, he's, when, when, he's, when he's giving specific instructions for how this meal is to be carried out and for how lambs are to be brought to the temple, he says, look, they cannot be ones that, been, that have been castrated. And so if any of you know anything about farm life, which I'm learning, um, apparently a lot of animals get the castration. Like, it's kind of cruel. To me, it's kind of mean, but if you have a male, like goat, we have some goats, sheep, um, horses, 
like unless it's a stallion who's going to reproduce, they they lose their stuff, and 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 the the, the reason for that is because uh, castrated animals are much more docile. Non-castrated animals uh, have something going on called testosterone. <laughs> That's what makes guys do stupid stuff. Yeah. It's basically, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but that's, that's what makes people do stupid. It's what makes animals do stupid things, actually. Uh, I mean, during hunting seasons, that, that's, that's what makes deer like, like, like rub their head up against the tree until their antlers fall off. Because they have so much testosterone, they don't even know what to do with it. They're just like, just gnawing on the tree, and it's just, it's cr- like, it makes you do dumb things. It's, it, it gives you a drive, and it's, it's a sex drive, but it's also just, just, just you know, I just want to hit something or do something. Just, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's an anger drive kind of thing, you know? It's like, man, this is, where, this is where the power and the drive of the male comes from. But whenever you castrate the animal, then he's much more docile and just kind of like, oh, sure, whatever you want to do, I'll just go along with it. And, you know? But God specified and said the, the, the lamb can't be castrated. Cannot cannot be one of those animals that's just like oh, okay whatever you know it has to be one with drive because the Lamb of God was going to have a full drive everything that you and I have he was going to feel and he was going to know sometimes I think we put Jesus on this level almost like almost like Superman mm. right like 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 Superman he's an alien like he comes from another planet and he comes to Earth he looks like us but he's not really like us. That's kind of how we imagine Jesus was. Jesus came to earth from another planet. He looked a lot like us. You know, he slept in a bed and he got up, used the restroom. But he wasn't really, he, didn't really, he wasn't really like us. It's almost like in, all, like, like, like in all the Jesus movies, like Jesus is never, he's never in a hurry. You ever notice that? Like, like me, like I'm trying to get kids in the car and I'm five minutes late and, and you know, and, and I'm, 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 I jump in the car and then I realize that I, I need gas. There's hardly any gas in the car. And I'm going to be even later, and it's just, that's just life sometimes. But Jesus, like in the movies, he's never like that. He's just like, there, there. Let's walk a little slower, shall we? I think I can make it to the door. You know, he's just never in a rush. He's never in a hurry. He's ne- he, he never forgets anything. Has anybody seen my keys? I think I must have lost. No, that's never it. Just like... I know where that donkey is. I know where that is. I just walk on over there. You know, but that's just like, it's just so like, like, I mean, maybe you guys didn't watch a lot of Jesus movies, but the old fashioned Jesus movies, like, like he's, like, he's very thoughtful in everything. Would you like something to eat? Yes, I think I would. You know, I mean, that's just a spooky almost. It's like, what is wrong with him? Is he weird or what? You know, but he's like this, he's, he's never stressed. He's never, and if he's, he never has a cold either. He's never sick. Like, he never has allergies. I mean, like, come on, somebody. We got allergies up in here. But we pretend like Jesus was human. Yeah, but he never had any of that stuff. Like, he doesn't know what that feels like, right? To have your head stuffy and to still try to get your work done because of deadlines to do. He doesn't know what that feels like. We almost put Jesus in this level where he's like Superman. There's uh, uh, the best Superman ever was Christopher Reeves, by the way. Um, and uh, I think it was Superman 3 where he's talking to Lois Lane and he's Clark. And he's, he's helping her uh, juice the oranges. And he puts the half of the orange in the juicer and he screws it down on his thumb. And you hear the crushing sound. And she's like, oh, my God. He doesn't even recognize because he's, he's Clark. So Clark is kind of ditzy, you know. 
And he's just like, oh. And, and then she's like, oh, my God, your thumb. And so he, he quick pulls it out. And she, 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 she's like, let me see it. He's like, no, no. And, uh, you know, he's like pretending that it hurts. And so finally she pulls his hand and she sees that it's not injured or, or wounded at all. And that's when she starts to realize that he really is Superman. And that's how we view Jesus sometimes. It's like he was here, but when he, he never stubbed his toe on anything. You know, he was here, but he was never, he was never concerned about anything. I mean, he cried that one time when Lazarus died. Okay, time to raise him from the dead. You know, it's like he, 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 he pretended, he pretended to feel what we felt. He didn't, he doesn't really know. But this, this, this unblemished lamb means that he had the full drive. He was tempted in every way that we are, in every way that we are, without sin, but he was tempted in every way that we are. He had that, he had that same drive that we have. He had those same desires. The, 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 the theological term is a hypostatical union. And that's a $15 word, by the way. Wow. Hypostatical union means he's the only one in all of human history to have a full human nature and a full God nature in the same body. That's what it means. But we often just think about his God nature. But he had a full human nature, too. He, he, he knows what it is to grieve. He knows what it is to be disappointed in people. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it is to, 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 to lose friends, to lose things. I think he lost his keys occasionally, personally. I just, I, I, I just think he knows that frustration. The frustration of, man, I know I put it in a special place. But that special place, I have no idea where it is. <laughs> You know, special places. The place where you put where you don't want to lose things and then you never find them again. That's a special place. I, th- I, th- I think he knows frustration. I think he knows how that feels like. But he reacted differently than we have. <laughs> he reacted differently to that, to, that, to that drive, to that temptation, to that, to that angst, to that, to that frustration. He reacted differently to that. And so that means that he's gone through what you and I have gone through, but he just acted in a very different way. He reacted as God. He reacted as, as, as holy. He reacted as spotless. And so because he, he went through the same life you and I have gone through, he suffered as much temptation, probably actually more temptation than you and I have because he was much more knowledgeable. And so temptation always requires knowledge and availability. And he had much more availability and knowledge. So he was tempted in every way, but without sin. What that means is that he lived the life that we should have lived. And, he, he, and, and, and because of that, he's able to help us when we're tempted. Because of that, he's, his, his holiness is able to help our unholiness. Because if he was unholy, his unholiness couldn't, couldn't clean us up. If you take a dirty rag, you can't really clean something very well. But because he is clean, he can clean us up. That's good stuff anyway. Uh, he's, he was perfect. He was spotless. But he was also slaughtered. He was also killed. The scripture there says you have to take the lamb and you have to ceremoniously kill it. Uh, later on, um, after uh, after the, the Jewish nation was established, they would they would have a they would have a whole day where everybody would bring their Passover lambs and and they would they would they would, they would stretch them out on an altar and they would and they would kill them. But it wasn't it, 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 it wasn't like a bullet to the head. It was it was with, was with knives and it was a certain way that they had to kill them. And then the priest had to be underneath to catch the blood in the cups because the blood had to be applied to the door. And it's all very ceremoniously. But it it it, it speaks to us of Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't just killed. Jesus was slaughtered. Jesus could have come at any given time in history. He could have come now. He could have come in 2015, where the death penalty uh, would have been lethal injection. 
But he came at a period of history in which the death penalty was probably the most horrific of any other period in history, known as crucifixion. And this crucifixion, and I know we like, to, we like to be positive, but sometimes you really have to be honest about what Jesus went through. It's not like, oh, Jesus died for your sins. Great, what's for lunch? He went through the most horrific death for you and I. And he, he didn't have to. But he chose to. He chose to be slaughtered for us. And he chose to be crucified. And what, what crucifixion looks like, just, just, in a, just in a brief description, is first off, they prepare you for crucifixion by, by, by the whipping. Uh, and you've probably seen this if you watch a Jesus film. They have a, what was called a cat of nine tails. This is a, a basically a, a, a stick with, with nine uh, leather straps hanging down from it. Uh, they were attached to it. Those nine leather straps then had uh, pieces, sharp pieces of glass and sharp pieces of, of sharp bone on the end of them. And this cat of nine tails, this whip, was, was, was soaked in water to make the leather straps extra heavy. Because the purpose was not to simply um, smack on the back and, and, and create a bruise. The purpose of the, of, of, of the glass and of the bone and of the weight, I mean this thing was heavy, of the weight of this was, was, was very specific. And, and actually the way that they would beat him on the back was very specific, specific. So they would tie his hands, strip him naked, and then, and then take the cat of nine tails and there would be 13 lashes uh, basically across this muscle. This is very intentional for what's, for what's to come. 13 lashes across what's called the trapezius muscle. This is the muscle that, that, that basically connects your neck to your shoulders and, and all, of, all of this area. And so there would be 13 lashes, and each one, would, they would make sure that it would sink into the flesh. So it's not just a smack, but it's actual, it has to grab, it has to catch on the skin and then pull down to actually tear the skin away. And after 13, the purpose of this was to get all the skin off and then actually sever the trapezius muscle. So you, so you go through the skin, and then you go through the muscle. You do this 13 times, and then 13 times this way. Actually, you can only do 39 stripes altogether by Roman law because they decided 40 was just too brutal. You would die if there was one more, one more, one more lash. And so there would be 13 across uh, the left side of the, of the back, across the trees, and then, and then 13 across the right side of, of the back, stripping away the skin, tearing apart the trapezius muscle. And then 13 straight down the back, exposing the spine. Literally exposing the spine, tearing apart the muscles connecting to the spine. And if you know anything about the central nervous system, it's all in your spine. And that's, that's the center of it all. And so they, they, there, would be, there would be 39 lashes that way until, until his back was completely not only stripped of skin, but also the muscle had been, had been broken. And this is to prepare him for crucifixion. And so after that, then there would be beatings. And really, the Romans were allowed to do whatever they wanted from, you know, you name it, they, they were allowed to do it. And so what they chose to do with Jesus, along with the beatings, is they, 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 they made a, a crown. And it was a crown of thorns and long, long spikes. And they, they wove it together and, and they put it on his head and they took a board and they, they hammered it into his head. And you would think that the, that the spikes going into your skull would actually sort of, uh, uh, like, relieve blood out of your head. But what it does is it, is it, is it causes your body to send more blood to your head. Thus creating like the greatest headache in the world, um, you know. So, so he like like this. This is part of what the the lamb took for you and I. This is part of the cost of the lamb for your sin and for my sin. This is this is this is this, this, this like like so 
so that when you're suffering from the, what you think is the world's greatest headache, you can know that Jesus took even a greater headache in order to give your head some relief and some healing and some, 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 some deliverance. He, he took that on his head. And, 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 then, and then, they, then they made the march up to the hill called Golgotha, and they, 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 they made you carry your own cross. And so you carry your cross on your back with no trapezius muscles. Which means, which means you have very little control of this arm, basically. Which means you basically have to rest it on your exposed spine as you walk up this hill. They lay you down and, and they stick the nails. Oftentimes in the movies, they, they stick the nails through the palm. But biblically, it said that his, muscle, his bones weren't broken. So they, uh, it's believed that they put it actually through his wrist. And of course, that's not going to hold you up. If you're, if you're on a cross and your weight of your body is on your wrist, you're just going to fall off. So they always tied your wrist as well. And then they nail, they nail the feet together and, and they, they put a little platform at the bottom of the foot. And that was important because really the way you die and, cruci- and, and, and being crucified is through suffocation. Because of the, the way, the structure, the way, the way that you are held up, when as your body sinks downward, it collapses in on your lungs and you cannot take a breath. And so in order, in order to, to survive on the cross, you, you, you have to push your body up with that one foot and scraping your spine, your exposed spine along the wood, the splinters of the wood, to painfully take one breath before you just let yourself down again. And people actually lived on the cross for days sometimes. Um, and Jesus, we know Jesus lived only a few hours on the cross. And uh, it, it was getting toward the evening and, and the Passover was coming as a special day. And the Jews said, we, we, we can't have people suffering during Passover, so we need to kill them. So if they were to kill them, they would take a, a spear and, and wedge it between the legs and, and snap it like a crowbar, snap your knee so that you can't push yourself up anymore and you, you, you suffocate. And this is what happened to the thieves that were on either side of him. But they came to Jesus and saw that he was, he was, he was already seemed to be dead. And, and instead of breaking his leg, they, they took the spear and thrust it up his side, like, like right under here, up toward his heart. And that when he pulled it out, the, the, the Bible says that blood and water poured out. Why in the world would water pour out? Now, most doctors believe that the reason why there was water is because there, his heart had formed a sack of water around it because his heart had actually ruptured. And so Jesus died of crucifixion, but really, he died of a broken heart. His heart, he was so burdened with the sin that you and I are held captive by that his heart ruptured. And that's the slaughtered lamb. It's important that as we step into this season and we look at the, 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 the resurrection and, and Easter, and it's a wonderful thing, but man, what Jesus went through in order for his blood to be put on your life and on my life, in order to save us from death, it was no small thing. It was a great thing. He was slaughtered. And finally, the lamb, the lamb of God, had to be shared. He says, you can't leave any lamb. You can't, you can't, you can't have any left over. So if you have any left over, like, you've got to eat it. So if you have left over, you get your neighbors and say, man, we can't, we can't finish all of this. You need to, you need to eat some. And this is, this is I believe, Really, the, this, is my, this is my final point. This is, this is what I believe is very crucial for us here in this season. Um, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody just, just, just the other day, and they, were, and they were talking about how, you know, you, know, you know, I think we have enough churches 
in Austin, you know, it's fine. We got, we got, we, we don't, we don't need any more churches. <laughs> and uh, I strongly disagree. Yeah. <laughs> because there are 1.3 million people in Austin who do not have a church mm. home. And it's not that other churches aren't doing their thing, but we need more churches because the lamb has to be shared. Because there's more lamb to go around. It says that there was enough for each and every person. Make sure there is always enough. So I believe that the sacrifice of Jesus is enough for each and every person. You're saying 1.3 million people get saved in Austin? Yes, I, 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 I believe until we see that, until we, as long as there is still one person that has not experienced Jesus Christ, we must continue planting churches, having church services, preaching the gospel, telling them about the Lamb, because the Lamb must be shared. We're never going to back down. We're never going to say, okay, we have, a, we, have a, we, we, we have enough people to pay a couple pastors' salaries and, and do a couple good things every now and then. That's not what it's about. The lamb has to be shared to those who have not received him yet. We, there's Amen. still people that are dying and broken and trapped in their sins that Jesus has paid for. They have to realize this. we got to tell them. We've got to share the lamb. And that, for me, is really what Easter is all about. Easter is a time... In North America, where people, for whatever reason, decide, I'm going to go to church. And it's just tradition. And it's just the thing you do. And in fact, uh, in, in, in fact, statistics show that if you invite somebody to church on a regular day, if you say, hey, co-worker, would you like to go to church with me? You have about a 20% chance of them saying yes. Which means you have an 80% chance of them saying, no, I don't think so. But on Easter, it, it, it quadruples. You have about a 46, an 86% chance of people saying, yes, I'll go to church with you. And so it's the perfect time to share the Lamb. And this is my challenge to you. This is really my altar call that you would consider helping us share the Lamb this Easter season. Um, next Sunday is Easter. And uh, in your worship guide today, you received uh, about four, three or four um, invite cards. If you want to go ahead and take those out right now and just check them out, they're, they're tucked under your ink pen. You can just pull those out. We made sure to give you a lot. And if you need more, we have more at the information table. This is one way that we are sharing the lamb. Now, this is not, just let me just reiterate, this is not for you to put on people's windshields yeah. when they're parked in parking lots. Mm. That drives me crazy when people do that. I actually had my windshield scratched one time permanently because some guy with a big ring like put a church thing under my windshield and never quite gotten over it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, like, like it's, it's not for you to hand out to strangers. It's fine if you want to hand them out to strangers. But, but ideally, this is for people that you know. This is for people that you care about, you love. This is for your family members. This is for your coworkers. This is for people that you have relationship with. Um, sometimes it's easy to invite complete strangers out and chase them down in the parking lot. And, you gotta come to church. Um, that's not what we're all about. We want to we want to equip you to invite your friends. This is what you do. You 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 come up to them and you say, "Look, our church is having a special Easter service next this this coming Sunday. We're gonna have family photos, by the way, free family photos, and we're gonna like have a backdrop and and we'll have some real bunnies from the Fleming family farm." And uh, bunnies just make everything cuter. And, uh, you know, if you want bunnies, you don't have to hold them. Just FYI. It's okay if you are not a bunny lover. There's no judgment here. Um, <laughs> I heard that. Um, there's no judgment here. 
right? Uh, but you know, and then, then and then if you want, you can give us your your, your address, and we'll mail you the prints, um, so you can have it as a as a memorial of the day. Uh, it was just a special day, special things for the kids, um, and candy and stuff. And 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 and, and this is what you, you you tell them. You say, would would you like to come to church with me? Not just would you like to come to church, would you like to come to church with me? In other words, I'll meet you there. I'll walk in with you. I'll sit with you. Like, you don't have to be weirded out and come into this weird place you've never been before. But your friend will sit right with you. And this is what I'll tell you guys. That at the end of service, whenever we, uh, whenever we offer the lamb to everybody, and I say every, every, every head bowed, every eyes closed, let's, let's, let's see if, if you would like to pray this prayer with me. Raise your hand. I'm giving you guys permission to just kind of, you know, <laughs> sort of peek. Because I guarantee that the day that your friend receives the lamb oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. is the best day that you ever come to church. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. It's not about singing a couple songs and hearing a positive message. It's about receiving the blood of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pass out a special card. And it's going to say, basically, um, there's going to be a few options there. Uh, number one, I want to make a decision for Christ today. I want to receive the Lamb. I want to know Jesus. And that's option A. Option B, I want to think about it a little while longer. And I'd like to talk to somebody about it, which is awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a call or send them an, e an email, whatever they want. Option C, no, I'm not really wanting to make this decision. And option D, I never... I've already decided I'm never going to make this decision. I don't need Jesus in my life. <laughs> because I want to give, I want to let people be real. Like, let's just be honest. And I think there's power in honesty. And I think that even, and I'm personally, I'll definitely, I'll pray more probably for people who check D. That next year, they kind of move up to maybe a C or a B or an A. And I'm looking forward to see what God does in changing people's minds and people's hearts as we invite and as we bring. That's one way that you can help us. Another way that you can help us is through prayer. Um, commit to pray with us this week. Commit to pray, even if it's just, I'm going to take 30 minutes one day and I'm just going to pray for our Easter service. And this is how you pray. Don't, don't, um, you, 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 you don't have to know how everything needs to work. This is, this is what you can pray. Lord, remove the blinders off of people's eyes. That's it. Just, Lord, remove the blinders off of people's eyes so that they can see you, so that they can see the Lamb. Just just take away. Because because this is the issue. We, we don't want to manipulate people into doing anything. We want to defeat the enemy that's blinding their eyes. And then we just want to give them a choice. And if, if, if the enemy is defeated, if their eyes are opened up, I think you pick Jesus every time, personally. I, 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 I just do. And so and so we're going to pray against the forces of darkness that are blinding people's eyes and keeping them in bondage. And we're going to let people then make a decision for themselves to receive the Lamb. So help us through prayer. Help us through, through inviting. And then finally, just come expecting. Come expecting. Come, come ready to worship. We have songs prepared and we've been getting ready. But, but you know, come, come ready just to celebrate with us. Uh, help us help us reach people this, this Easter season. Sound good?